Access matters. Access matters. Access matters. Access matters. Access matters. A podcast of Ira with Janine Stanley. Episode four, from acting to accessibility. Welcome to Access Matters. I'm Janine Stanley, Director of Customer Success and Engagement here at Ira. He's a new face here around Ira, but definitely not a new face to the world of advocacy. Our Vice President of Blindness Initiatives, Everett Bacon. Hi, Everett, and welcome to Access Matters. Hi, Janine, and thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. I first want to ask you a little bit about your position because this was a new, uh, literally a new initiative that our CEO, Troy Attilio, embarked on early this year. Tell us a little bit about your role at IRA. What, what are you in charge of? Well, that's a good question. Right now, currently, I am a department of one. Um, I, I am, uh, I, I don't have anyone. I know that feeling. Um. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't have anyone that I am in charge of. And you know, I'm fine with that. I kind of find that kind of exciting that, that I I'm taking on this new adventure. My role here at IRA is to help advise the IRA leadership team on, on all things related to, uh, the blind, a community that uh, Ira has been a part of now for approximately seven years, and help them help them understand the the role of how the blind community uses Ira on a regular basis. Also, understanding the history of of the blind community, uh, how it's kind of evolved over the years. Understanding the consumer organizations and helping relay some of the the information from that. But then also Ira really wanted me to focus on how we can we can spread Ira into areas that that Ira hasn't been able to go as well. Areas like really expanding uh, government access partners for Ira, uh, really expanding the idea that Ira uh, visual interpreting is a right and not just a something that that just is an access technology that the blind people have to pay for expanding that role that the access partner whether that be utilizing and expanding the role in government or or expanding more access partners that the partnership there uh, ira would now be the focus of rather than just waiting for more blind subscribers. We want lots of blind explorers and subscribers, but we we want to be able to find a way to offer it to them for free, much like the deaf and hard of hearing community understands that relay is a right and is, is free to them. And so we want to try to bring visual interpreting uh, into that same level. And Ira wants to lead the way in that. It's an amazing goal, and I'm excited about it. I'm curious about the community, because I think one thing that a lot of blind people, they don't come right out and say it, but it's certainly implied, is that, look, we've gone without all this description and all this information, and we've had to beg for volunteers and whatnot to help us with things for so long can we, is this really a right? Is this really something that we can say, hey, you know what? We deserve this. We need this to function. Do you think you're going to run up against any, probably apathy would be the best 
emotion I would think of for the community on this. I agree with your assessment there, but I, I will alter it in, in this way. The one thing we've talked about for so long in the blind community is having tools in a toolbox. And access, access tools, there are many. There, there's never going to be one access technology tool that I rely on solely to do what I need to do as a capable and competent blind person. There are multitudes of tools. IRA is one, and visual interpreting is one of those tools. There are always going to be times when we are, are going to need to find a way to get that visual information that we can't get uh, maybe in other types of, of ways, whether that be reading a flat touch screen of a new appliance that we just purchased Ooh. that we've got to figure out how to get going um, so we can be functional, whether that be understanding a, a piece of art that we're standing in front of that we're with, you know, our partner or friends at, a, at an art exhibit or something like that. And we want to get, you know, a take on it that allows us to create our own thought of of what that that art is and what that uh, visual interpreting is so that's kind of my take on on why ira should be a right and why why i think the blind community should look to uh, accept it because why not have a, another tool in our toolbox that's always available to us are there times when i still use seeing ai rather than ira sure but there are times when when ira i know is a better choice and i can get um, that information in a way that i want and, and so that's why i utilize it yeah i think it's a lot of, a lot about efficiency too one of the things too about all those tools is the efficiency i found myself in that habit of using three or four different tools to figure out one thing over the weekend and it ended up that Ira was, in fact, the answer. The visual interpreting was the answer. But I know I am a lot more curious about advertising packaging, about things on television, about things around me, since we got image description, what, probably five or six years ago with the yeah. iPhone and with other apps. I've been a lot more curious about things around me and not just kind of saying, oh, well, you know what, I can do without it. Move on. I totally agree with you. And I will say even more, when the pandemic happened and, and we had to rely on, on Zoom and, and virtual conferencing, I used to not think about what people were wearing, what people looked like. It wasn't something that was just in my, in my frame of, of thought. I mean, maybe in the background, but it, it became a little bit more to the forefront during the pandemic because we were in Zoom and, and we, were, we were interacting with people that we knew and that we didn't know, and we were learning about them. I serve on the FCC Disability Advisory Committee, uh -huh. and I had to, serve, I had to meet with, with folks to continue that role. Um, some of them I knew and some of them I didn't know. It was really interesting to, to hear. We made it a, a point to just give a very brief description I was uh, just going to ask you about yeah, that because I find that fascinating, actually. And I, I exactly, I did too. I, I find it fascinating. I, 
I learned so much about um, people that I, I did not know. I don't want it to take over a meeting by any sure. means. We've got to get things done. <laughs> but I, I find it so helpful. And I think I understand things more about people. I, I'm going to give you a really good example because we, we talk about, um, you know, DEI and, and lots of things in, in, in our lives. One of the the people that we were, I was in a meeting with, introduced himself as as a, a black man wearing glasses who happens to be bald as well. I, I think he actually said a beautiful bald black man, <laughs> to, to be exact, which I, uh -huh. I, I found, I would have never known he was a black man. I, I found that helpful because people assume that blind people know race by voice. We don't. And, um, and so, yes. So I, I think it's, it was really helpful to understand that. And we were able to, you know, use that in, in our meeting. And I, I really appreciated that. And that's why I think visual interpreting is so helpful because I, I can get information that I could not get really any other way. Who is Everett Bacon. So tell us about your origin story. Who are you and where are you from and what is your journey in accessibility personally? So I, I was actually born in um, Orange County, California back in, in the early 70s. I'm, I'm not going to say how old I am. I'm, <laughs> I'm up there a little bit. Um, but you won't uh, admit I, age I, on this podcast. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I come from a, a long line of, of blindness, hereditary blindness, on my mom's side of the family. Uh, it goes back some 13 generations. Wow. It's a, an autosomal dominant gene called Conrad dystrophy. It's basically a, a roll of the dice, you get it, and you can continue to pass it on. A roll of the dice, you didn't get it, and you don't pass it on. Blindness has kind of been a part of me uh, all the time. I did have a lot more vision uh, growing up, I guess, if you would understand it, I had 20 over 70, so I had pretty Ooh. good vision, mm -hmm. and I could read print and, and, and do things such as that. I got into my mid to late 20s, and then it, it started to slowly regress, and by by the time I got to about age 40, I was totally blind. Whoa, haven't we heard this before? I wasn't um, pushed or anything uh, by teachers or by my family to learn blindness skills mm -hmm. um, and if i could go back i would have said i should have pushed me a little bit further <laughs> um, so so i had that stuff so i didn't learn braille until my 30s uh, late 30s i didn't really use a cane i did uh, go to college i got a degree from uh, dallas baptist university in music education i found out i didn't really like teaching music um and so <laughs> I, I ended up going to work for Blockbuster Video, worked for them for a number of years. Blockbuster Video didn't really want to, or didn't understand how a blind manager would, could continue to manage stores. Oh. I, I was managing stores but losing vision all the time. So <laughs> I needed different things to continue to be a productive manager. Blockbuster didn't understand. Uh, they, they terminated me. And so... I, I ended up becoming involved with the National Federation of the Blind because of that. And uh -huh. that was really helpful because I, I learned so much about the blind community. I wasn't exposed to any any kind of consumer advocacy organization. We moved to Utah, my wife and I. We had, we got married in Texas, met in college, got married in Texas. We moved to Utah because she's a 
was doing her residency in epilepsy and I, I ended up going to work for the Division of Services for the Blind uh, in Utah as an access technology specialist. Worked there for 18 years. Ended up, you know, getting into management there um, and, and, and doing other things and, and before my role with Ira. From all of that and from your really deep background in access technology, we've been having a lot of fun here as you joined Ira, discovering all of our tools that we use and uh, using a Mac with all those tools. So I'm going to yep. ask you the question that we ask everyone on this podcast. Define sure. access. Define access. Access to me is is getting information or really opening a door that I wasn't able to go in before. That's what access is to me. There was a barrier. There was some kind of blockage that that was not allowing me to get to that other side, to get the information, to get um, maybe uh, uh, the the ability to um, go through the door or to get to the other side to get whatever um, at information I, I wanted or need to get. That's what access means to me. Breaking down those barriers is something Ira does, uh, visual interpreting does. And, and so I, I, that's why I find it such a, a an awesome company to work for and an awesome software and, and program and that I've been able to utilize for the past uh, six, seven years. I've been an IRA user since it started. I remember trying it out at, at, at one of the NFB conventions oh in Orlando. <laughs> it was really something. And uh, I, I, I remember helping get it uh, here in Utah in many different places. Oh, yes. uh, and, and that I, I just, when I, when I got hooked on it, I just started you know, beating on doors saying, we need it here. We need it here. <laughs> and, I, and I've continued to do that. At some point, because Let's you folks it. in Utah have so many museums that are we access do. locations that we are going to talk to, by the way. So okay. we will probably have you back on to talk about your experiences with those museums, because I'm a museum geek. I mean, I love oh, museums. Nice. So I'm always excited when we get a new museum partner. But yeah, and it's more than just museums. Salt Lake City Airport. I'm sure there are tons more things that I'm probably missing here. The mayor's office. We we we, we worked out the Salt Lake Salt Lake County uh, mayor's office. This Washington Square and the public library. It's oh, all yes. this huge area, and they they have a lot of festivals and events there. Iris free when you're in that location, which is pretty awesome. Oh, that is awesome. Access in public areas. I know that, you know, nobody is absolutely 100% independent, but how does that access to public areas with Ira and all of your other tools, how has that changed your life? Do you do things differently? Do you tend to attend more things, spend more money, anything like that? Any thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I was just at the Utah Arts Festival this uh, past weekend. Uh, before, I would have went to a festival like that with my wife. My wife is sighted, mm -hmm. and and we we would we would just stay together the entire time mm -hmm. because it's a big crowd. It's a big it it, it is you know you've got to get around um, people, and I I have confident you know, competent cane skills. I do feel very competent as a cane traveler and getting around. But in those situations, I felt it was just easier to stay with her. 
And so this weekend, I didn't do that. I like to go to look at the food trucks、uh, and、yes. see what kind of things we have there. She could care less what the food trucks are doing. And I also like the music performances. She, she wants to go look at, at some of the exhibits. And so、um, I don't mind looking at the exhibits, but I think it's nice to split up a little bit and go do some of the things that we both want to do and then hook up again. I, I wasn't able to do that before. Ira allows you to do that. And that, that, that's Really, something going to the airport. I travel quite a bit for my role with the National Federation of the Blind, and then also my my former job and now current job. I travel quite a bit, and so going to the airport, it used to be I knew the airport enough to where I, I could get around without a TSA agent,、mm-hmm. uh, especially in the Salt Lake Airport. I knew enough where I could get around there without. But, but I definitely had to, you know, hey, are you going this way? Or, hey, you know, just try to, try to、mm-hmm. ask different people all the time for certain things. I don't have to do that anymore. Ira is in my ear. That is really such a liberating experience. And I think people <laughs> don't realize the stress you can be under.、Uh, the only thing that somebody equated it to was being in a foreign country and not speaking the language and not understanding the writing system, maybe being in the Far East or something like that, not being able to recognize any signs, not being able to communicate with people, and just sort of going on, okay, I think I'm doing the right thing, and being very stressed out. I think that's probably the closest that somebody without a visual disability can come to some of the stress that we, we get during travel, and just the release of that stress is so huge. Let's talk. You mentioned,、yeah. and so have I, a lot of our access partners here at IRA, and you're going to be dealing with them quite a bit. What advice would you give to an organization? And there may be different types of advice for different types of organizations government versus retail versus digital, you know, whatever. But what advice would you give to them if they are thinking about, okay, I've heard of this IRA thing and I have this type of access and this type of access, and why, why do I need IRA? What should I know? I, I think the biggest thing for them to know is IRA provides visual interpreting that not really any other type of technology can provide in a way that, that allows、uh, a blind individual to feel like they are accessing the information the same way a sighted person would. We're not able to do that. With our other types of access technology. Can we get things read to us? Sure. Can we you know, scan a label on a box? Sure. But, but getting the same visual information that, that IRA provides, that's really the only way we can do it through visual interpreting, where we can get it exactly the same. And so that's, that's what I would remind any.、Uh, Building manager or organization or company or government facility that's thinking about bringing aboard IRA or is wanting an explanation to why IRA is so important. And then see IRA in action. Why?、Uh, <laughs> once they see it in action、yeah. with an explorer utilizing it in their facility, whether it be one of their employees or, or, or one of their customers, I think they will be. Blown away, and they'll go, Okay, yeah, this makes a difference. This really is something we need at our place. Because every time I've been able to, to demonstrate it, I get the same reaction. That's really cool. That's something we got to have in the, 
And and so that's those are the things I would definitely work on. Now I'm going to use the S word, security. How does a visual interpreting service impact security? And particularly Ira, so, but you know any any of the services. We're so excited that Amazon is one of our partners, <laughs> uh, our access partners, <laughs> and and Amazon has to deal with a ton of security to provide the uh, Ira to uh, not only their employees but but also their customers and and i would say if amazon can figure out a way and understand that the security is there i think others can do that as well i i think if if companies need to understand that our agents go through a rigorous training to be able to become agents it's not something they just pick up and do day one it, it's a rigorous training they go through uh and they they do have to sign a, a lot of of documentation and contracts that that they um, are providing a service that is secure and ira can cater uh, the situation where if there are certain things that that shouldn't be uh, viewed ira can work with the company to to make it to where the company can feel safe or the government official can feel safe we know that ira is being used in in many different government agencies right now uh, and, and it's expanding all the time. What about a company that, say, has an inaccessible website for whatever reason, and they say, you know what, okay, we're just going to let you use Ira, uh, customer, and and that'll do. Thoughts? <laughs> Thoughts. Well, <laughs> company, we're going to let you just use Ira. Right now, Ira doesn't have the ability, if I'm on my phone, uh, to be able to fill out a form for me on the website. So I still have to do that. Can Ira give me information about the website? Sure, but it's gonna be a frustrating process if I can't continue to utilize my own screen reading technology that, that I have procured and have uh, taken the time to learn. That is definitely a, a problem that, that Ira can't always solve. Companies want to be able to make their websites accessible. I, I've i never come across a company that's just said, oh, we're just not going to worry about it. <laughs> I, I, Don't you I've, have I've, somebody with you to help with that? That's always the thing that I think of, you know, in that situation. Yeah. But but we can be a remediation tool while they are fixing some of the, the hardcore coded in accessibility problems. That's a, a great way for ira to be used in that situation what's in the future for ira and everett bacon i hope a, a partnership that lasts a, a long time i want to see ira expand into an area that i mentioned before where um, visual interpreting is a right where the the ira explorer is not having to pay such a, a high price for uh, ira I'm not going to say that that it's always that it's going to go away tomorrow or anything like that, but Ira doesn't want to be the company that that relies on the blind explorer paying for it. Ira wants to be able to provide uh, their service 
in partnership with Access Partners so so blind people aren't having to pay for it because Ira sees that visual interpreting is a right. People ask me, oh, now you're going to get free Ira because you're an employee. <laughs> well, I still have my Ira subscription. I, I have not I have not ended my subscription um, because there are times when I use Ira for my personal sure. uh, experiences that are no, not wait, related wait, wait. to the company. You have a life outside of Ira? <laughs> I certainly do. I certainly do. You can contact Everett via email, everett at ira.io, that's E-V-E-R-E-T-T-E, at A-I-R-A dot I-O. Alrighty, it's time for that part of the podcast where I pontificate. In other words, I have thoughts. Yes, I'm back in my office today, ceiling fan and all, a little hot and smoky out there. So good thoughts going out to all of our Canadian friends who are dealing with this on a much more personal level. The title of this podcast is From Acting to Accessibility, and I noted during Everett's interview that we've heard this before, acting, quote-unquote, or pretending that your disability does not affect you in any way, or, in the more common vernacular, looking normal, quote-unquote, is something that a lot of us do. Why? Why in the world would we think we have to do this? It all stems from the stereotypes of people with disabilities, what you think they can do, what you have seen them do, etc., etc. I would love to live in a world where everyone says, well, with the right tools, I think you can do this job. You've proven to me that you can do it. You have a great resume, this all looks good, and I have no concerns. Unfortunately, many of us who quote-unquote act have had some bad experiences when people don't know what to expect from us. Learning about accommodations and what access means is really important, and we are living in a great world today where you can really easily and discreetly, too, find out about resources that people with disabilities have determined for themselves are helpful. What is helpful to me, for example, might not be helpful to someone else. But being able to offer things from a menu is really welcoming when you come into a job. Oh gosh, I don't have to come in with my laundry list of accommodations that I'm going to need in order to use this company's software, hardware, facilities, whatever. Now, you're probably asking yourself at this point, so, are there people in my company that are acting? Are they really working that hard? I mean, you all have said this is a stressful thing to pretend that you don't have a disability, pretend that you can see, pretend that you can do a lot of things that are getting harder and harder to do in the way that you have traditionally done them. So how can I help? How can I make this less stressful for people in the workplace? Well, first of all, have a good grip on disclosure and disclosure policies, self-disclosure, etc. And Jeff Whistle from Disability Inn on our last podcast can certainly help with that. If you go to their website, they have tons of resources, uh, companies that have set up self-disclosure programs to make it easier for people to make that step into identifying as having a disability. You can also make products and services that relate to access available before somebody asks. 
Ira is just one example. Another might be a screen reader license. So if someone comes to you saying, I'm learning to use this screen reader, but I don't have a license myself. I've just been using it at the training facility, etc. I'm going to need this for work. You can say, that's fine. We've already got a license, not a problem. Or if you need any accommodations, here's what we have now. Ira, JAWS, accessible vending machines, a map of the company campus. And where do you find out about these things? Talk to your ERGs. If you don't have an ERG, start one. Again, Disability Inn is a great source with their over 400 corporate partners. We're never going to be able to push someone into disclosure or push them into identifying as being disabled or embracing their disability and getting the training that they need to do things differently. That's not our responsibility. That's something that each person comes to in their own time, and it's usually because of some traumatic event that finally, pun intended, opens their eyes to the world that they can have versus the world that they thought they could have. In our next few episodes, we're going to be going to the retail sphere. That's right, stores, online, in-person, big box, small business. We're going to be talking to some retailers for whom Access Matters. Thanks for listening to Access Matters. Do you have questions or comments about the show? We'd love to hear from you. Email us at accessmatters at ira.io. That's a... C-C-E-S-S-M-A-T-T-E-R-S at ira.io. You've been listening to Access Matters with Janine Stanley. This podcast is a production of Ira Tech Corp. To learn more about visual interpreting, visit our website, http colon slash slash ira.io or email us at access at ira.io.